preparing for this day of Pentecost, I have a new appreciation for the book of Acts. So many things that are mentioned in this book set in motion the rest of the Bible. So many happenings from a small group that we would have thought would have gathered around Jesus just prior to the, uh, to the crucifixion. The people in the upper room, how many people were actually in there. Of course, we know of the disciples, but there had to be some more because the two that were on their way to Damascus knew the whole story. So there was probably more in that upper room than just the 12 that were with Jesus and that we always reference. But that's such a small group compared to what happens shortly thereafter. Such a terrible situation in which Jesus Christ gave up his life for you and me. Let us in, inject in this the story of you and me. It's not just for the disciples that were there that day, but everything that Jesus did was for you and for me. He didn't just give up his life for 12. He gave up his life for all mankind, for every one of us sitting here today. So as we go through this book, then we need to inject our feelings and how we fit into this picture. Somewhere in this story, there is a story about you and me. Obviously, the time of crucifixion was such a terrible, terrible situation. All the disciples spread out, but we notice almost immediately they've gathered back together. They may have flushed like quail, but just like quail, they came back together probably in the same upper room. They came back together and found strength. They found encouragement. And they may still not have found a whole lot of bravery because the word tells us they were behind locked doors. But I ask you, wouldn't you be? You saw what they just did to Jesus. And so many times when there's a, a revolution, they not only take the head of the leader, but they take the head of all of those around them. So that it doesn't spread out again and again and again, which is exactly what happened. So they had real good reason to be behind those locked doors. They had a real good reason to be afraid of what was going to happen next. They were hiding, but Jesus Christ wasn't. For Jesus Christ came to the, the ones, on, I'd call them disciples, on the road to Emmaus. Once they figured out they were in company of Jesus Christ, they ran back to Jerusalem, which was about seven miles. Ron today was talking about that he had just run up here to the church, and I told him I'd sure like to have a picture of that, and it would be like me running from the house over there over here. So I don't think you need to get out your cameras. But at that time, the individuals ran with enthusiasm, excitement. We've seen him. We've seen him. Just like the women have told us, we have seen him also. Can't you imagine their excitement and enthusiasm? He lives, he lives. And then while the disciples are in that upper room, Jesus appears. Just appears. The doors are locked, but he appears. And he's 
flesh and blood where they can touch him, where they can see and be a part of it. The excitement, the enthusiasm. Thomas isn't there. But I've asked this question before. Could it not be Thomas was like Wayne Hollinshed in that when I'm grieving, I want to get off by myself. I don't want to be around other people. After my dad's funeral, where did Jim Waldo find me? Out at Bill Howard's place by myself. I wanted to be by myself. Bill Howard threw in a few yellow jackets for me, a few hundred, <laughs> to keep the night interesting. But I had calmed down so the time I saw Jim. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you what he said. So I had a little excitement. But that's where I was. I was by myself. And the seed was planted even then as I was by myself. Maybe. Maybe someday I could be a minister here in Quanta, Texas. The seed was planted. We know the rest of the story. But couldn't it have been that, that we have Thomas that wanted to be by himself? He just wanted get me out of this room. Maybe he has claustrophobia. Who knows? But he wanted to be off by himself. We'll never know the rest of that story, but I'd say give him a break. Maybe that was it. He was grieving so much. And then when he did see Jesus, like all the rest of them, his life was changed forever. And I asked you, when you have seen Jesus Christ, was your life changed forever? I'm not talking about just going to church. We all had parents it's kind of like, I can't help it, Lurlene. I'm sorry, you were drugged uh, as a kid. You were drugged to the Baptist, drugged to the Church of Christ. So I'm not talking about that point in time in our life. It's when we make that personal commitment to Him. We've made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Don't you know, don't you remember your enthusiasm and your excitement? He's real, He's real. We know that Holy Spirit. We know that it is real. It's not made up. I've got chills right now. He's here right now. He's here. And I hope you have that same chill. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me. And I'm not going to sing it. So relax. I saw some of you getting a little tense. I am not going to sing it. But he's here. He's with you and me. He will be when you get in a car, when you get home and you start visiting about Jesus Christ. He lives. And from that point on, the world has never been the same. For those 40 days, he taught them. But during those 40 days, it wasn't like the preceding 40 days because they still weren't understanding this thing about the crucifixion. Taking the bread and the wine, my body. They didn't get it. But now they get it. They get it. So 40 days he spends with them. And yet, if you will read the last uh, paragraph, 28, 20, 18, 19, 20 in there, where Jesus is in Matthews, they're talking about it. It said, some still doubt it. I'm saying, how? How can you still doubt it? How? So even right before his ascension, 
And we're told that they were watching it. And then two angels are two in white, just like at the tomb. Two angels in white were standing there and said, what are you looking at? Basically, you need to get on with your business. Don't stand around here just looking up in the sky. You got work to do. The next 10 days are very important. So then they go back again to the upper room is what we believe. That person who is anonymous was a follower of Jesus Christ or they wouldn't have made it so available. And in that room that day, 120 people were there. And the, the, the word tells us that they give the listing of the disciples that were there, but not everyone else. But they describe what took place at that very moment. Seeing Jesus putting their hands in the flesh of the womb in his hands, sitting down and eating with him, did not change them in a way that Pentecostal Sunday, Pentecostal Day, affected them forever. But not just them, all of us, all of us. When we think in terms of it started with the disciples and those that were the closest to him, including the ladies that were with them uh, so much of his uh, during his teaching time. Just a small group, just a small group. Think of a Sunday school class that has 12, 13, 15 people in it and think, could we really change the world with just 14 or 15 people? Put yourself in the place of the disciples. Think, okay, I can't pick up the phone and call somebody and tell them how wonderful Jesus is because they didn't have phones. I can't get in my car because they didn't have them. I'm going to have to put on sandals because they didn't have shoes and start walking. Start walking for Jesus Christ and sharing the word of Jesus Christ. It all changed it was just like an explosion that took place for Christianity. Because nobody was the same. Nobody was the same. And this is, in my Bible, this is the only book of the Bible in which there is a whole page that says the journal of the book of Acts. In one page they go through because it is, there are so many happenings in the book of Acts. You're, you're going all these different stories from the time that, uh, that they were baptized in that Holy Spirit to what happened to them later and how many people went out from that point in time. It talks about how James and John uh, were arrested and James uh, was, was killed, murdered, if you will. Uh, Herod wanted to appease the religious folks that were having a really a tough time with all these Christians. So James was the first one. Then John got out. Later on, John and Peter were in jail and Peter got out. And they, you know, the next day they find Peter out on the streets preaching again. He's not going to be intimidated. This is the same guy that was sitting around a fire and twice he denied Jesus to a, a couple of ladies or one lady, different books say it was two different ladies. But anyway, there were three denials. But now he's standing before all the leaders, the same ones that yelled crucify to Jesus are there 
as he steps out on that balcony and he shows no fear. He shows nothing but courage because of that Holy Spirit. What? What would it be like if the 20 of us was filled with the Holy Spirit to that same extent? What would it be like in Quantum come Friday if all 20 of us were so excited about Jesus Christ that we were not shy at all about telling them what took place today? Hey, I can't wait to tell you what took place. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Saul and how he was converted. Let me tell you about those that gave their life. Not even hesitantly. Go back to the story of Stephen. Go back to him and how he was stoned. And then he was praying for those that were stoning him, just like our Lord and Savior did, for those that crucified him. Share with them the story. Share with them that he loves them regardless of what they have done. I don't know if you have had anybody open up to you in regards to, I don't feel comfortable going to church because of my past. That they feel very hypocritical. And of course, what they need to understand is the church is filled with sinners. As they say, this is a hospital for, sin uh, for sinners. This is a hospital. We're all trying to get better. So that's the reason we're in here. And we don't compare scorecards. I did this, this, and this. Well, I got you beat. You know, it's kind of like playing a game of cards. I got you beat all up to Annie. No. It's between us and God, and we all have our warts. We all have those times in our life that we would love to change. But what would happen if we could be so filled with that spirit that we couldn't wait to tell people? It's kind of like when I was in Lubbock and having a meal with my son, uh, my son and a um, younger person that was in the youth group when I was a youth sponsor, so it goes back a few decades, he and his wife came in and said, well, Wayne, what are you doing now? I'm a minister in Quanta, Texas. I thought she was going to fall out of her chair. What? You are, yeah, I am. And they believe in Jesus Christ, but they didn't believe Jesus Christ could change me that much. They don't know the power of my Lord. But she almost fell out. But we're so excited about serving him that we're willing to share that and say, hey, come on in. We have room for you. Especially on the north side of the sanctuary on Sunday evening. We got room for you. Charlie's lonely. Come and see us. What would happen if we had that kind of enthusiasm that each one of us says, I am not coming to Sunday night again without somebody being with me. And I don't want to miss Sunday. So I'm going to work on Tuesday or Wednesday to find somebody that will go back in the house of the Lord with me on Sunday. What would happen? What would happen when you would acknowledge you too are a sinner? No, I don't want to hear your sins. That's between you and God. But let me tell you, I too am a sinner. But I know the love of Jesus Christ and I know how that love can change you. And I want you to share in this happiness. I want you to know it. 
Just like the earliest first century Christians had. They were so on fire and it wasn't just in the upper room. They were in, in, on fire spiritually. And the numbers kept growing and growing even when they were uh, in that upper room and still all in Jerusalem. And the more the Romans came down on them, more the religious section came down on them and started putting pressure on them, the more they scattered. It just spread. It's like the grass fires we've seen around here since I've been here. How it just sweeps through the pasture. That's a way the love of Jesus Christ spread. And it wasn't going to be denied. We know that some of them were martyred also. Some other ones. But that didn't stop them. Because those individuals were willing to give their life for Jesus Christ. And today there are individuals that will not deny Jesus Christ and they are being martyred as well. They are not going to deny Jesus Christ. So why in Quanah, Texas should we be silent about our love for Jesus Christ? Why would we kind of sheepishly say, yeah, I was in church yesterday while you were water skiing or while you were playing golf? No, man, I was in church. You cannot believe how exciting it was to hear the word of God. You cannot imagine how great it is when you receive that Holy Spirit. Your golf game is nothing compared to the joy that I had. Does this make sense to anybody? Anybody but me? As I read through this synopsis on Acts, I started getting all excited again. From the standpoint, can you tell? From the standpoint of... Uh, Paul, that's, that's right in the second paragraph here. Uh, we're talking about Paul being converted, Saul being converted to Paul. He was loving what he was doing. He loved persecuting Christians. He wanted to go to Damascus. He wanted to give me this job. I want it. I want to persecute these Christians. Men, women, children, doesn't make me any difference They're Christians. And then he had that road to Damascus experience. Ananias went to him. Ananias says, really, really God? You want me to go and help this guy? God, we've already heard about this guy. We know how he's persecuting your people. We know how he's going after them with the intent, imprisonment, and maybe even death. We know how brutal this guy is. You want to talk this over a little bit, God? Can, you know, can we visit? This is not a good guy. But God in his infinite wisdom says, I am going to use this man to spread the word of Jesus Christ. Throughout the world. So Ananias go. Lay your hands on Saul. Until the scales fall from his eyes. Ananias was obedient. He didn't want to do it. But he was obedient to his Lord. Paul was able to see again. Haven't we had those situations 
where if you didn't have it, you knew somebody else that had those scales on their eyes and they just couldn't see it. They couldn't, they couldn't grasp the love of Jesus Christ. They may see one of the individuals that's in the community and maybe this person is going to church on a regular basis and this person is anything but nice to the people that are around him or her. You say, wait a minute, I don't want to be like that. I don't have to go to church to be like this guy. I can be mean on my own. So they've seen individuals that are in church frequently that do not behave as Christ would want them to. But then you ask them, who do you want to, st- uh, who do you want to be closer to God? The hypocrite who's standing between you and God or yourself? Which one of us do you want to be closer to God? You or the hypocrite? I want to be standing as close as I can to God. I'm not going to let anything anybody else does prevent me from going into his house. Do we have issues in churches? You betcha. Every church in this county and in the country. And it talks about the same kind of things in the first century church. So there have been those discussions. There have been those falling out. When Peter was going out and he was told to go to the Gentiles and so preaching to them and baptizing them, the main body in Jerusalem did not want to go with that. They wanted this to be ours. This is ours. You've seen kids do that with their toys. No, that's my truck. You can't play with that. That's mine. Well, that's what the Jews were doing. Trying to prevent anybody else, such as Gentiles, from worshiping Jesus Christ. The Samaritans and the Jews had been at it for 600 years and maybe even more. And all of a sudden, the Samaritans are even following Jesus. Peter was used to carry the word because of an image that he received from God that said, all food is something I have provided. All food is okay to eat. It was awakening. You know, even today the Hebrews will say there's some foods you don't eat. Peter knew that, but he followed the Lord. And he went out and he not only saved the centurion, but all of the people in his house, all those that were waiters or anybody in the house, he saved them all. And then he goes back to Jerusalem and they have a come to meeting Jesus meeting there. And at that time, James, the brother of Jesus, the brother of Jesus, you remember how the brothers treated him in the Bible? Well, now the brothers are on with it, at least a couple of them. James was now the leader of the group in Jerusalem. And in his wisdom, he says, all are welcome into our tent. Jesus Christ, my brother, came for all of you. So it makes no difference. It makes no difference what we have done in the past. But I can guarantee you and I can guarantee anybody that comes in here, if they will follow Jesus Christ, the future is going to be so much better than the past. They just thought they were having fun in the past. When they'd wake up and their head hurt or when they were going through divorce, they thought they were having fun. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ and I'll show you a joy that you have never experienced in your life. 
He is the real joy. Being a child of His is the real joy. It doesn't make a bit of difference how much money you put in your billfold. It's the love of Jesus Christ that makes a difference. Keep your seat, Rob. Uh, so, uh, it's not the green stuff. It's the stuff that's in here. That is what counts. And when He touches you, it is totally different than any other touch you may have. Any other touch. So as we go through the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to study it on a day-to-day -day basis and take your time. Maybe you just read one page because you get one paragraph, just you get in, uh, just totally consumed by it and you're trying to understand it. You go to other sources. But he, he goes on and on and talking about the mission trips that the different disciples took. Spreading the word as Jesus required or requested, take it throughout the world. What the Jews did not understand is that the more they put pressure on the Christians, the more they scattered throughout the world, even to Rome. They had no idea they were a part of God's plan for Christianity. And by the time that first century was over, disciples, not just the apostles, because other disciples too, went around preaching the word of Jesus Christ, even to the point of being a martyr themselves. One year at Easter time, did a study on the disciples and what is told about each one and how they, they gave their life for Christ. Everyone but John, and we know what happened to him being put on the island. He's the only one that wasn't. But the rest of them suffered terrible deaths. And before, they couldn't even tell a lady around a campfire that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It all changed. And it needs to change with you and me as well our life from this point on. And I'm not saying anybody in here has a bad life. I'm just saying we can all wretch it up a little bit. We can be more committed. We can do more positive things for Jesus Christ. We can make a difference for Him. For Him. It would be great if this house was full every Sunday morning and Saturday evening. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is how many are hearing the word of Jesus Christ? How many are giving their life to Christ? How many are coming forward and saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Lord and He is my Savior. And sharing that with all of us, that's what's important. There ought to be such a joy in our hearts each and every time that we can't wait to tell somebody. And it's not that we're bragging, hey, we had five people that were baptized, one or what. It's not that. It's how many people gave their life to Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory. And if we just surrender to Him, if we surrender to Him, all things are possible in spite of us. Don't you know that when Peter went out and saw that centurion. He knew that this had only been taken to the Jews before. But he surrendered to God. He was a messenger for God. Saul had hate in his heart. 
He wanted to he wanted to round up every Christian he could find. And when the Lord came into his heart, he was truly a disciple that carried the word of Jesus Christ throughout the world, even through shipwrecks, even while in prison. He's sending out letters of encouragement, mind you. If only we had their heart, only if we had their, their enthusiasm, only if we could share the word of Jesus Christ as they do. And I used if in there, but I believe we can. I believe each one of us can. Remember, there was no special training. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't sit down and go to college for four years and listen and turn in those term papers and everything. They didn't do any of that. They listened to the word of God and they shared it. They shared the word of Jesus Christ. You and I are called to be his disciples. We are called to share the word of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, go with us this evening. Let us carry the flame that was burning that first Pentecostal night, that day in which everybody was touched by that burning flame of, of wanting to preach a word, preach it with, with enthusiasm, preach it in a way that they weren't inhibited by anybody. Let us have that same burn within each and every one of us so that we are excited about sharing the word of Christ. This evening will be a good start. Tomorrow, fantastic. Friday, Saturday. And then we get to come back into your house and get recharged again, Lord. Get that battery recharged so we can go out again to share the word. Jesus Christ. For it's in your holy name that we do pray. Amen.